Amen. Now, because we've had special speakers in for the next two weeks, I have to do it this week, and then next week, Pastor Kenny will be doing Sunday school besides the morning message. I think he'll be doing two lessons. So pull up your boots. I'm going to try to get through two lessons today, and I have a hard time getting through one. Amen. <laughs> and the memory verse for today on Lesson 66, this is where Elisha replaces Elijah, is in 2 Kings 2.9. And Elijah said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Okay, and so what we have with this is that uh, before Elijah is taken by the Lord, he asks Elijah anything he wants from him. And Elisha asks for a double portion of his spirit that the way God worked through him. You know, and what he really wanted is he saw not necessarily the spirit, he wanted a double portion of Elijah's power, his authority, his influence. Okay, and what we're going to see, the theme of the lesson today is God's work keeps marching on. If you're willing in to step into the battle, you're willing and you're working, you will be used. Okay, you will be used. And so we're going to see that this morning. And uh, he wanted to say he wanted a double portion of his spirit. And too many times we're not getting ready for the Lord to use us. We're not getting ready. You know, we turn around, we say, well, I've done that before, and I used to. I used to. And there's no used to in the Christian walk, okay? And Elijah wanted to make sure that, he said, you know, where is the, the God of Elijah? You know what the answer is for today? Where are the Elijahs? And we need to realize that. We need to understand that. And so what happened with Elijah we're going to see in 1 Kings 19, if you'll turn there, he gets tired. Yeah. You ever notice that? It's easy, sometimes easy to get tired. Yeah. Our Bible tells us not to be weary in well-doing. For what? In due time we shall reap if we faint not. Okay, and what we find here, in the background of this lesson, Elijah's passing the mantle on to Elisha. And so we're going to be looking at that. I want you to look at um, 1 Kings 19. Okay, and I'm not redoing this lesson or what with Elijah's doubting and anything with that. I want you to look at starting at verse 15. And the Lord said unto him, this is after Elijah has said, I even I only am left, you know, that all the prophets are gone. And the Lord said, Go return thy way in the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. In Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shall ye anoint to be king over Israel. In Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel Maholah, Mahola, Abel Mahola, shalt thou anoint to be a prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu, Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. So he departed thence and found Elisha the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth. 
And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then will I follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took the yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Well, what I want to see here is first thing is, is that placing of the mantle upon uh, the coat of Elisha was symbolic of the ministry being passed on. Okay. Elisha was God's choice to replace Elijah. Okay, and we always want to look, you know, the problem we have in churches today is that churches don't look for God's choice for the mantle to be passed. For a ministry to continue, it's always best to continue it from within, okay, and not bringing in someone out from without who doesn't know how God's been working there. That's why God has blessed this church. I want you to understand that that's not the point of the message, but it's there. You know, and in verse 18 of this text, and it says, Yet I have left me 7,000 men in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. You know what? Elisha was one of them. Elisha had, was separated from the evil that was taking place. He didn't worship the false god Baal. He wasn't involved in that. Apparently he was busy plowing the fields and making sure that his mom and dad were being taken care of. So, you know, you want something to be done. You know how you find out to get something done? You look for a what? A busy man. Okay, if someone's not working or not busy, they never seem to have time to do what they need to do. And that's a principle that it follows in so many things in the world. Okay? Now, he didn't bow the knee to Baal. This country's going to hell in a handbasket. And they put their emphasis on today, we worship a different form of Baal. Okay? And that's spelled a little bit different. Instead of two A's, it's with two L's. Sports is king here. You know at the fall of Rome, you know what they had gotten so involved with? Sports, the Olympics and everything. Anything to take their eyes off of what the condition of where they were and what was taking place. And we put, I always love it, you know, the people didn't turn around. And I don't think. Tonight there's going to be testimonies given. Uh, Youth Ablaze was excellent. It was a blessing. It said, uh, I was telling people, there, there was 14 professions of faith from young people. Amen. Okay. And then there was four also that came forward to have reassurance of their salvation. And I believe three young men were called to preach. Okay. And that was just on Friday night. I don't know what decisions were made other days. I only was up there the one night. It was a, a blessing. There was a young man who was involved in our youth group that got saved Friday night. It was fun to watch the excitement of... Some of our young people, young men, have come through youth group who are already there. They get a little exuberant at times. I mean, you pick people up and run down the aisle carrying this kid who just prayed. <laughs> he gets saved. Well, well, that's kind of foolish. 
What do people do with sports? You come to my house when SU's playing basketball, and I have to tame my wife down because she's yelling at the TV screen. Okay. I didn't say there's anything wrong with sports as long as it doesn't become your idol. Okay. Elisha was too busy, you know, and I want you to understand this. You know, we're supposed to be in this world, just not what? Turn to John chapter 17. Got to understand, what did Jesus pray for us? The high priestly prayer of Jesus Christ is found in John 17, and he says in verse 11, Now I am no more in the world, but these are what? In the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now I come to thee, and these things speak I, I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them, thy, given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from what? They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Okay. But also in verse 20, he says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall what? Believe on me through thy word. That prayer is for us to be, we've got to be in the world, but we're not to be of the world. Okay, Proverbs 18 and verse 1 says, Through desire a man having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with men or metal, with, with all wisdom. Elijah lays his mantle upon Elisha. Elisha was busy working. How many of you ever tried to steer a parked car? Okay, even if you put it in neutral, if you're on the flat surface, what if you're, what happens? And you crank it, the engine's not running, it's not moving. Ladies, Americans are spoiled today. I'm, I'm old enough to know the days before power steering. You ever try to turn something? Okay. I have to laugh. I have a little button on my four-wheel. Yes, I have some toys at home. I use the go when I'm hunting. And it has a button on it. And it goes from two-wheel drive to... You can turn a four-wheeler real easy when it's moving in two-wheel drive. And it turns fairly sharp. You just put it in four-wheel drive, and it becomes about five times harder to steer. I don't have power steering on my four-wheeler. Now, when it's not running... My wife can't turn it. Okay, so I want you to understand. That's why I'm saying you find a busy man, someone who is moving. Elisha was busy, verse 19. So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve oxen before him, and he was with the twelfth. And Elisha passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. Okay. God can direct a person in service 
He can guide them if they're already moving and serving Him. Every believer should get to the place where they start to look for a way to serve Him. Because you have been saved to serve Him. You've been saved to give Him glory. And see, we see this with Elisha. Okay, he was busy working. And it says in Acts 13, 2, it says, And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Paul, or Barnabas and Saul, for the work when I have called them. They were already witnessing for them. See, they, they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Okay? Proverbs 22, and verse 29, Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. Are you diligent in your Christian walk? Even a child is known by his doings, whether they be... Go ahead and say it out louder. You hear it? Whether they be pure, whether they be right. Okay, so get examples. You find Moses... And David were caring for sheep. Gideon, Gideon was on the threshing floor of the wheat. Peter, James, and John were busy with their... They were, when Jesus came up with these, hey, they were mending nets, they were busy with their fishing business. And Jesus, even at 12 years old, said, I must be about my father's business. So I want you to see... Look for an opportunity to serve. Okay? If you're faithful in the little things, he that is faithful in little will be faithful in much. Okay? Because it's almost impossible to steer a parked car. Make sense? Okay. So that's why Elisha was chosen of God. Elijah just followed what God would have. Next thing I want you to see about this is that he had a good work ethic in all the areas of his life, and this is important. Okay, some people think, well, if I just, you know, I want to do this, or I want to be seen to people, I want this or that, and they're not faithful in little things, they don't have the work ethic. I've had young people ask me, I'm going to put an application in for a job. Can I use you as a reference? And I say, yes, this is the condition. You go to work there, and you don't get caught in the people who are always complaining that they're not getting paid enough. And you work harder than the other ones around you. And don't learn from the guy who's the union steward. I have nothing wrong with unions. I was in one for a lot of years. But if they're trying to tell you don't work too hard, you make the other people look bad, too bad. Work. Okay. In a day and age, you know, all people, the employers, all they want to do is find somebody who will what? Work. People, you know, there's a, an entitlement, and it's being developed in this country by our government. Okay, and so you look at this, you've got to have a good work ethic, and there's no way around that. Elisha honored those also who were worthy. When you look at this, Okay, look at Exodus 20 and verse 12. It's the Ten Commandments. 
Look at verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Well, that's Old Testament. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. You know the passage I'm talking about? Ephesians chapter 6. And it says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that it may, what? Go well with thee, and that thou livest long on the earth. Because it's the first commandment with promise. The Ten Commandments, that's the first one It was a promise. You're going to live longer. You know what he did here? He said, in verse 20, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, then will I follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? You know what he wants to do? He wants to honor those who taught him. That was not a delay. When you don't honor your parents, why do you expect your kids to honor you? To honor them doesn't necessarily mean to follow in their sinful footsteps. That's not what I'm saying. The way to honor them is to protect the good name that they hopefully handed to you or to make the name better than what they gave to you. You don't honor a father by following him to the bar if that's where he's at. You honor him by living right and the world sees that. Okay, he just wanted to say, I want to tell mom and dad goodbye. Okay, so you look at that. You know, it wasn't a delay. It was an expression of honor and gratitude. How many things in the Word of God are we told to honor? Do you know that your first relationship in the Scripture, starting in Genesis, is with God? The second relationship, second only to God, is the family relationship. It comes before business. It becomes before serving others outside of the home. My mother, we grew up, I'm close to my sisters, believe it or not. We talk all the time. Judy came into our family's life. My sisters love her more than they love me. And they said, if I ever messed up and something came between us, they're keeping her and I'm gone. <laughs> but I talk to my sisters. I talk to my brother. They talk to me. You say, well, I don't talk to my brother. I don't talk to my sister. Well, I didn't say you've got to do what they do, but you know, you can reach out to them. People hold painful grudges, and they don't know one of the things that God honors. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. He was doing that. See, it just helps you to see why he would be chosen. You know what the second thing I went to see that he did there? Verse 20, And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow thee. And he said, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And then look at verse 21. And he returned back from him <coughs> and took a yoke of oxen and what? And boiled their flesh with the instruments. What he did is, says the instruments, the oxen, he used that for you know the, the yoke that went across his shoulders. That's what he had for firewood. Okay, with the instruments of the oxen, and gave unto the people, and they did eat. And then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto them. He was plowing fields. You know what he did? 
He's burning his bridge to his past life. Hmm? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a... Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. He's called to serve God. He wasn't going back. He burned the bridges. No more plowing for him. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Trying to get through this first lesson so I can get to the second one. Pastor Kinney doesn't want to have to do three of them when I'm gone. 1 Corinthians 3. Verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what? Yeah, the quality of it. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Anything that's not done for Christ eventually is going to go up in the flames. Judy and I said, we have a very nice home. No problem. God's given us a nice home. It's going to burn. It's going to burn. Anytime that home gets in the way of being able to serve the Lord, it, it's going to burn. Can't get away from it. You've got to be careful not to look back and go back on God's callings in your life. First call a person should hear is the call for them to come to the Savior. We shouldn't look back. Elisha was faithful in his calling. What did he do? Let me kiss my mom and dad goodbye. Burned the bridge to his past life of serving himself and not serving God. And then he rose and went after Elijah and what? Ministered unto him. He became, he fulfilled his duty, became a minister to Elijah. Every Christian has a ministry. Every one of us. Every part of the body of Christ has a purpose. They used to teach in medicine that the, your appendix was a vestigial or, organ left in our body by evolution and, and, and met no real need. That's what was taught in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. You know what they found out? It's a part of your immune system. It's there for a purpose. There's no purpose, no part of your body that's not there for a purpose. Because God says you are what? Fearfully and wonderfully made. Every part of the body has a purpose. Have you asked God what that part is? If you're an eye, you're telling God, I don't want to be an eye, I want to be an ear? Hmm? If you're an ear, you're telling God, I don't want to be an ear, I want to be a mouth. The only reason I would want to be a mouth is because I like putting food in it. Okay. When I got called to the ministry, I couldn't talk in front of people. I was so afraid. Put a gun in my hands, put a ball in my hands. I could do that. 
Boy, I couldn't talk. I've told people many times, my call to the ministry was God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and the weak things of the world to confound the mighty. When a church started, my family, we cleaned toilets, we mowed the lawn, we cleaned the church. I got nothing to do. Wow, wait a minute. That's just, just this? No, that's important. Okay? Everybody has a ministry. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19 say, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us, not to him, not to me, not to the Apostle Paul, but unto us, the word of reconciliation. Everyone should minister to try to reach a lost person. Tell them what God did for you. Make sure you have a TNT on you. Explosive power. Tracks the New Testament. Rich Tanner, one of the original members of this church, he couldn't talk to people. He tried. He put together over 250,000 John and Romans that we shipped to missionaries around the world. He came to the street corner every time we had street preaching. He'd sit in a lawn chair. He'd sit in a lawn chair. This great big old man, yeah, he's 6'4", six, 6'5", six, 260 pounds. He'd sit in a lawn chair because his legs were bad, his back was bad, and his eyes were going. He put together about 30,000 John and Romans after he'd gone blind. Stapled and cut them by feel. He'd stand there. He was afraid to say, could you take this please? So he'd sit there with his head down hoping somebody wouldn't notice him that he was nervous. And he just kept his hand up with a track in it. He gave out tracks because people would walk by. Someone else was saying something. They saw something whole and they'd take that from him. And he'd go, Brian, I can't talk in front of people, but I can sure sit good. And he'd sit on the corner. I just want you to understand, there's a ministry for everybody. And none of them are without honor. The hardest ministry in this church is the nursery. We have a lot of little ones here. Well, I'm not, I don't have any children, but I'm not going to work in the nursery. Oh, okay. Whatever you're going to do. It doesn't make a difference. God's called you to serve. Okay? So we turn around and we realize Elijah gets anointed by, or Elisha gets anointed by Elijah. And Elijah kind of fades out with this thing. You know, you know sometimes you know what happens? Our greatest trials follow our greatest blessings. <laughs> Judy and I, we have a saying, I can't remember who told it to me years ago, it says, no good deed goes unpunished. That doesn't mean God doesn't love you. 
That means the devil doesn't like you. Okay? And Elijah took his eyes off the Lord for a while. He became a man of fear. This is what 1 Kings 19 is about. He became a man of fear, stopped being the man of God. I don't understand it. He faced 850 angry prophets. Prophets of the groves, prophets of Baal, and then he runs from a woman. You think about that theme, and I'm not trying to pick on ladies. I adore my best friend outside of Jesus Christ is sitting over here. I married my best friend. 50 years, May 25th this year. But you know what you find out? Samson was taken down by a woman. King David, a woman. Solomon, by women. Elijah, ran from a woman. Why? Men are supposed to stand strong in their home and lead their wives. I didn't say lord over their, their wives, to lead their wives, but they're afraid. Either that or they're lazy. And let the woman lead. It's not how God ordained it. So you turn around, you find the end of this chapter. God replaces the kings. And he uses Ahaziah as a king over over. Syria, I mean, he, not, not, let me see, got the wrong name there. Um, Haziel over Syria, and you, get, you run into this thing. That brings us over to Second Kings, where we're going to start the next lesson here. But I want you to see, there was times in Elijah's life where he was told to stand for God. And he did. And then he got afraid. There was times when the Lord told Elijah to go meet the men and deliver a message. And Elijah twists up in 2 Kings 2. He twists up his mantle. He hits the waters of the river Jordan. He divides it in half. And he and Elisha cross over. And Elijah asks if he can have a double portion of his spirit. And Elisha gets to see Elijah go up in a chariot of fire. Elijah wasn't the, Elisha wasn't the fiery minister that Elijah was. And we're going to see a difference in that. But I want to ask you, with that case, you don't have to be like the fiery minister before you. You don't have to be like your predecessor. You don't have to do it the same way. You have to do it the way God leads you. Pastor Christian, the first pastor of this church, had a, he had an idea. He thought there was a man he was going to take his place. Man turned his back on him, turned away from the church. Pastor Kinney's dad was here, came into the church. He was one of my Bible college instructors. Came to our church when he'd resigned the church he was pastoring. They came, they moved here. I can't remember, I think Judy and we might have changed diapers on Pastor Kinney. Or it was very young. I can still remember it, that, that, that point. And he came here. And Pastor Christian used to say, yep. I preach, Bill teaches, and Bryant, he loves people. 
I ended up being pastor here. Caleb is not me. Okay, and I thank God for that. But he's a man I can follow. And his personality is not exactly like mine. And some of you say, praise God for that. And others say, we want what we're used to. Well, I'm nuts. Okay? That need to be able to follow and do what God asks you to do, cutting back, cutting away the things that are holding you back, and going forward. So I'm asking you, what can you do in your life to be more like Elisha? What do you think God is preparing you to do in the future? I can remember the first time someone came to Pastor Christian. They come on, they're coming from the church that came here. We want to get involved in your ministry. We want to get involved in ministry. And Pastor C go, perfect. I have a very important job for you. I need someone to clean the bathroom toilets next Saturday. Well, I don't want to do that. He says, I'm sorry. That's the first position. You understand that God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the... This brings us to our lessons on Elisha because we see Elijah perform many miracles, but Elijah performed miracles. Elisha performed more. Go to 1 Kings chapter 4. I'll try to go through this. Again, the memory verse for Lesson 67 is, The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him. So we go to 2 Kings chapter 4. And a certain woman come to Elisha with a problem. And it says, Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. And the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons, To be two bondmen. In other words, the sons were going to be taken and they have to work until the, the money's paid back. You're going to take her sons. The debt had to be paid. You know what he tells her to do? And Elisha said, Under what shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in thy house? You know, God will always, he uses what you have. And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in this house save a pot of oil. So then the story goes down through verse 7. He says, Okay, go to your neighbors and browse many pots and pans and vases or, or containers, vessels as you can. And then start pouring the oil out of your pot into those vessels. And they got them from everybody. Okay, and she, she went for him, shut up the door their sons and brought, who brought the vessels out and she poured out. Okay? Because they went to everybody and got the vessels. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. The one she was dumping from was still full and everything she could borrow was filled. And he says, Now take that. Sell enough to pay off your debt, your sons will be free and live off what remains. Doesn't that sound like a foolish thing to do? How many times do we think that God's asking us to do something foolish? Makes no sense. Okay? Because the life of faith makes no sense to this world. Right. 
and he provided for her. So you have the woman whose sons were spared, and God provided for her in an unusual manner, in a foolish thing. What do you think the neighbors thought when they're going around trying to borrow their buckets? Hmm? 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 8 through 37. We have here, and it says, And it fell on a day, verse 8, that Elisha passed to Shunan. And there was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that oft as he passed by, he turned then thither to eat bread. What we see there is the first prophet's chamber. And she's feeding him, saying, you know, if he had a place where he could just be by himself and come apart, relax, so they made a chamber for him, okay, because she perceived he was what? Verse 9. I perceive that this is an holy man of God which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick, and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said, Gehazi, his servant, call the Shumanite. And when she had called, she stood before him. Now watch. She was just trying to make provisions for the man of God, her and her, her older husband. They were older. When our church was very young, we didn't have a prophet's chamber. We didn't have... The Triple M, we didn't have the trailer. We couldn't afford to put the missionaries and the evangelists up in a hotel. Because we started with how many people, Judy? 14, 15 people? Cheryl West? She wasn't a West then, she is now. Okay? She was the youngest member, 12 years old, started with this church. Original member. When people would come in, Judy and I, we'd have them stay at our house. My daughter still calls one of their missionaries retired out of Papua New Guinea, Uncle Tom, because that's who he is. He comes and visits her still. He'll, when he goes through the Chicago area, he swings by and stays with, with Heather and Jake. You know what they learn? They learn to love the men of God because our home was open to them. Well, I don't want to have a missionary and evangelist in my home for dinner. They're going to judge me. No, they're not. You know, they put on their shoes the same way you do. Yeah, they do. They throw them up in the air, jump in the air, and jump into both the feet at a time. Same way they put their pants on. Throw them up in the air, jump into them, right? <laughs> so she makes a prophet's chamber. She opened her home up to the man of God. She recognized that there was a need. And so, and it fell on a day that when he came thither, he turned in the chamber, and she said, Gehazi the servant called the Shumanite when she stood before him, and he said under say now, verse 13, Behold, thou hast been careful with us all this care, what to, can be done for thee? What wouldst thou spoken for the king, or for the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered and said, she verily hath no child, and her husband is old. She hath no child. See, the children would take care of the aged parents. I told you, my kids drew straws for me. They all want Judy. 
Heather got the short straw, and then Michael moved home, and Heather gave it to him. So Michael's told me his gun room office is going to become my bedroom if something happens to Judy. Okay? Someone's got to take care of this old crumudgeon. Okay? And so she turns around. And he said she's going to have a child. It was hard for her to believe, but guess what happened? She had a child. You go farther in the chapter, and as the son became a little older, he's out, comes to his father in the field, and he yells out, my head, my head, and he falls down. And then you find Elijah praying in a very unusual way over the body of this young boy. I mean, he lays down on top of the dead boy in his chamber. <laughs> if you haven't read the story, read it. For the sake of time, I can. Okay? You know what I want you to know if you learn from that? God will bless those who endeavor to be a blessing to others. Second Kings 5. We have a, a general named Naaman. Now it says, Naaman, the captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria, and he was also a mighty man in valor, but he was also what? A leper. He was a leper. He was a captain of the army of Syria. Wasn't God going to use Syria to bring judgment upon those who turned away from God? 1 Kings 19. Haziel, king of Syria. Naaman had a deadly sin called leprosy. Leprosy is a, it's a picture of sin. I find it interesting that it's a picture of sin and he had to go do something that seemed very foolish to him to get the, get the leprosy removed. When people hear that they've got to pray and ask Jesus Christ, is that, that can't be it. I have a sister who got saved recently for years said, it's got to be more than that. You can't tell me that a person who lives as sinful as our father did can pray and ask Jesus Christ to be his Savior and he's going to heaven. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He had leprosy as a picture of sin. What is he told to do? Wash himself in the River Jordan. Seven times. Not six, not eight, not four, not 24, seven times. You know what his statement is? Isn't there better rivers even in my home country that are cleaner than that one? Am I going to go wash in that? Okay. This is what God requires for your sin to be cleansed, for your disease to be taken. What are you willing to do? A girl from Israel who was made a servant because she was taken in the spoils of war loved her master in that home enough to say, there's a prophet in Israel who can tell you what you can do to be cleansed by God. Just a young girl taken in war, working as a servant. A maid who waited upon Naaman's wife told her about Elisha. Elisha gets word, and his Naaman comes see him. He tells him to go wash in the river Jordan seven times. Naaman got angry. That seems foolish to me. 
But you know what he did? He went and the leprosy was cured. It seems foolish to people that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But that's what God requires. He did what he's told. Naaman tried to save himself first. He resisted God's simple way, but he was cured by simply doing what he was told to do. 2 Kings chapter 6. We have battle going to take place. You have a new king in Syria, not the one that God was going to use to bring judgment upon the children of Israel to turn to Baal. That's not the same king, and he's invading. And you find that verses 8 through 23, don't have time to read it this morning. I encourage you to read 2 Kings chapter 4, 2 Kings chapter 5, 2 Kings chapter 6 to see what's going on here. And the king of Syria was going to attack. Okay? See here. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God, and I've got the outline, verse after verse after verse, they kept referring to Elisha as the man of God, sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and, and warned him of and saved himself there not once nor twice. So they got plans, and the king, king of Syria gets all upset because he was told by Elisha to avoid that place. And so it was told that you know, the king spied out where Elisha was, and they found him, sent an army to go grab him and take him to the king, king of Syria. And they surrounded the city. Elisha was where Elisha was, and his servant saw what was happening and asked Elisha how they could get out. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Elisha prays and asked God to take the blinders off. See, because the servant of Elisha could only see what was around him and the conquering army of Syria coming. And Elisha prays and the, the scales come off the servant's eyes and he sees the army of God. He sees angels protecting them. Now, think about this, Okay. Verse 16 of this chapter, 2 Kings chapter 6. And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that what? And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of the horses and chariots of fire around about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the, the world. Promise to the New Testament believer. In the same passage where we like to quote verse 28, where it says, For we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose, you find verse 31, it says, And what shall we say to this? These things, if God be for us. The end of that chapter comes with this. 
Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature should be able to separate us from the love of God, which is Christ Jesus our Lord. Promises Elijah had, we got them better. Okay? And what I want you to see with this, sometimes you just got to get the blinders taken off to see God working in it. And then what you find out in that 2 Kings 6 is that host of Syria was blinded and he leads them to a place where the king of Israel can wipe them all out. And he says, should we kill them? And Elisha says, no, we feed them. And he feeds them and then he sends them back. And they came no more to war with Israel because of that. You know what our, our mindset is? Wipe them out. You know what Elisha practiced? Love them that hate you. Be kind unto them that in spite they treat you. For in so doing you shall what? Heat burning coals of fire upon their head. He put it in God's hand. He got the protection. We won't even finish with the last one in this, but it, you find out at the end of this chapter, or in 2 Kings 13, the end of Elisha's life. He dies. He's buried. There's a pit. He's put there, buried in this. And when a certain man died, he was thrown into the grave where Elisha was laid. When he hit on Elisha's bones, <laughs> he came back to life. Even in death, Elisha had a double portion of Elisha's spirit. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And all God's people said, Try only to do one lesson if possible. Had to get through the two to bring you up to speed enough so that we can stay online with this. Take a break. <laughs>